Hey, we are standing, I think, this morning at a historic moment uh, within the life of our church. You guys have figured out this is the last Sunday that we are in this room. Praise God, right? I mean, that's because... uh, So... Uh, here's what I need. We need you to start praying for us though. Cause here's the deal. We are living on the jagged edge. Does that surprise anybody at Cornerstone that we're living on the jagged? right now? As we sit here, we, we do not have C of O to that building. Uh, the builders are hoping to have that for us before this, but they haven't gotten it. They're going to be scrambling this week to get a C of O over there. So if you would pray that that would happen, okay, that would be nice. Before we get there next week, because we got Kurt Warner coming, we got a bunch of people coming. It would be nice to be in that building next week. Okay, so if you'll pray about that. But here's what's happening as we get ready to go from this place this morning. We've asked you to help us leverage this moment, to take a moment that I think uh, God wants to use to make himself famous in, in the whole Southeast Valley, in Chandler, in Tempe, the whole area. We said, will you help us do that? So as you get ready to leave today, and you've probably already seen, we've got t-shirts for everybody out there. And we're simply asking, will you take a t-shirt um, for you? You can take one for your spouse. You can take one for your kids. That's fine. Just don't take a handful and like sell them on the black market. These things are already getting pricey. Um, but here's the deal. Here's what we're asking. Would you wear it tomorrow? Would you wear it tomorrow? Everybody, would you wear it tomorrow? Now, some of us work at jobs that won't allow us. They won't allow us to wear it at church tomorrow. No, I'm serious. Uh, would you wear it tomorrow? Uh, and if you can, now some of you, like I said, have jobs. They won't let you. That's okay. But well, then again, will everybody wear these shirts again on Saturday? See, here's what we're just thinking. 3,500 people walking through Chandler, Arizona, all wearing the same t-shirt that says, it's coming. And people are going to start asking us, going, what is it? And we're all going to go, I don't know. I don't know, but it's going to be fun and come with me. And, and okay, so we're just saying, could we leverage this moment to make God famous? Could we do that? And, and so T-shirts tomorrow, Saturday. And then um, you guys also know we, we've got uh, tons of the Cornerstone bumper sticker. We asked you last week, remember, would you put this on your car for 30 days? Just, and then you can peel it off, you can, but would you do it for 30 days? And I get it. There's some of us here that don't need to put this on their car. Uh, you drive like a maniac. People would be afraid to try our church if they saw this on your car. So here's the deal. If that's you, stick it on your wife's car. Okay. And, and, and if that doesn't work at night, sneak over, put it on your neighbor's car. No, I'm, I'm teasing. But would you, could you 30 days? And then, um, everybody I hope by now knows next Sunday, as we move in that building, Kurt Warner, and uh, we talked last week about the idea of saying, who are the people that God has placed in my life with the idea that I would shine Jesus to them? And, and we're doing this to give you the opportunity. So would you take a card? Would you invite at least one of those people you put on a list last week and just say, look, it's a great Sunday. Because here's the deal, guys. Kurt Warner loves Jesus Christ. And as your friends who maybe are pre-Jesus and are still trying to figure out how God fits in their lives come... They're going to hear a guy who has an awful lot of neat stuff say, I still need Jesus in my life. Okay, it's going to be a powerful, a great moment. You're actually going to have your friends thanking you for bringing them to church. Okay, so it's a great, would you take these? We've got more out there. Would you take these? Hand them to someone say, hey, come with me um, next Sunday. And then last but not least, uh, inside of your program, uh, there are uh, maps And you're going to want to take a look at this because you realize next Sunday, everything changes. Everywhere you've gone, chances are it's somewhere else next week. 
And you're going to want to take a look at this so that you're not a visitor at your own church. Okay? So that's there. And then, I forgot, we're going to be moving in starting tomorrow night all the way this week. We're going to be moving into that building. We're going to be painting things, hooking up TV sets, cleaning stuff, just anything you can imagine. Could you help us? Could you help us do that? So on your program, you guys know the rip-off response thing that's at the bottom. Would you just go down to that white square that's there on the bottom and just say, look, I'm, I'm available. I will come, you know, one of the evenings. I will help you do something. And if you know how to hook up TVs or if, if you know how to paint a little bit or you just say, look, I'll do anything. I don't care. Just tell me. Would you mark that on there? And then also tell us what evening you're available. We do need a couple people during the day. You can mark that down if you have that ability. But let us know most of the work is evenings. And then we will contact you. Don't just show up randomly because what we don't want to have happen is a whole bunch of you show up one night to hook up TVs and we're not doing that till the next night and then your heart is disappointed. So tell us when you're available. We'll contact you. Okay? So be sure to get a phone number or email, something that we can contact you and say, please come Tuesday night. You said you could. Help us out. Okay? Here's what I want us to do. I, guys, I just believe you and I are at an amazing, amazing, amazing moment that God, I think, is waiting to see if we will leverage this for Him. So I just want us to stand all together today and let's just, let's just give this moment to God and say, God, we're going to take this moment and use it for you and for you to be famous. So let's just all stand together real quick. Let's pray about that. Dearest Heavenly Father, we, we come to a moment in the life of our church and we believe that three years ago, you said, look, you've already got a seat and you're already comfortable. But would you be willing to build a place to see what I could do next? To see what I could still do with this church? And to see how I could make myself famous if you'd give me a chance? And God, that, that's why that building's over there. That building's not us. That building is all about you. And trying to be sure that people in Chandler and Ahwatukee and Tempe and Gilbert have a really hard time missing God. So God, we're, we're just going to give you this moment and, and we're going to go around and wear crazy t-shirts and bump. We're going we're to give this moment. We're just going to ask, would you make yourself famous? Because we leveraged our influence for your glory. This we say in the name of Jesus. Amen. amen. Grab a seat, guys. Hey, we are, uh, we're wrapping up a series right now together um, as we've been talking about our values. And today we want to talk about this idea of community together and how community has the ability to be so remarkably powerful in our lives. And that if you and I are not using that, if you and I are not tapped into community, we are missing so much in our walk with Jesus Christ. So we're just going to talk about that a little bit today. How many of you have figured out that I am older than dirt? Okay. A couple of you. Good. All right. I grew up, I grew up in the era, uh, pre-computer. Uh, matter of fact, uh, as I was going to high school, someone came to me and said, Lynn, you know what? You really ought to take a typing class because it'll help you later on in life. And in my high school typing class, they were converting from, you remember the, you know, and you broke your fingers, typewriters, to the electric. And we used to hustle to get to typing class so that you could get the electric ones, you know, and not be left uh, with the others. Uh, in there and, and about two years after I left high school, they swapped all those out for computers. So although people have always looked at me and said, well, you know, Lynn, you know, you grew up with... No, I didn't grow up with computers. And I'm one of those guys that 
if I can't do something well, I don't like to try and do it. You know what I'm doing? So, so do you guys remember when computers first came out? And if you clicked the wrong button, it was like melted in front of you. Remember that? On, so I was super slow getting involved in, in doing computer stuff. And, and I finally got one and was using one and sat one night with a couple. And they were talking about all this stuff they were doing with their computer. And I think they could tell by looking in my eyes, I had no idea what they were talking about. And, and so finally the guy looks at me and he goes, you own a computer, right? And I go, well, yeah, yeah, I, I own a computer. And, and he said, well, what are you doing with your computer? And I said, word processing. And he goes, are you kidding me? You've, you've got a computer at your fingertips and, and, and all you're doing is word processing with your computer? And I go, look, dude, it took me forever just to stop doing this. You know, I, I, it's a big thing for me. And he looked at me and said, Lynn, you have no idea what you've got right there and you're not even using a tenth of it. And that night, he introduced me to a thing called the internet. And I went, oh my goodness. Here's the thing you need to know. Many of us, many of us Christians, are word processing our faith. There is, there is so much more available to you and me, and we have not even begun to tap into it. We haven't even begun to experience the power of this thing that God calls community within the church. We have no idea what this could do and how it would transform and change us. Look, here, here's what most of us do. Let's just be honest. Here's what most of us do. We come to church on Sunday. We come into the service. Maybe, maybe on the way we stopped at the coffee table. And while we were there, we were hoping that no one would make eye contact with us. And, and then, unfortunately, one weekend we were there and, and you know, ooh, it happened. And, and, and you go, hi. Good weather we're having, right? Yeah. How about them sons? Came into church. Left. Couple weeks later, we walked on campus. Heading over to the coffee thing, we thought... Is that that same person I saw a couple weeks ago? Do I act like I know him or do I pretend I don't see him? And then eye contact happened and he went, How about that weather? How about them sun? Could you pass the cream? And we slipped back into service. And God would say to you and I, Word processing your faith. God would say, you have no idea what you are missing in your walk with Jesus if all you've got is this room. Just not enough. And here's Christianity. You ready for this? Christianity is a team sport. God wired you in such a way that you are better with the rest of us. And God wired us that we are better with you. Christianity was always intended to be a team sport. Here, you show me a Christian 
who is vital in their walk, who exhibits maturity, that you go, man, someday I'd like to be mature like them. And you go, man, I'd love to have a family like they have a family. I'd like to have a home. I mean, it is so apparent that what God has done, tremendous things in that person's life. You point that person. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Ready? Nine times out of ten, they are connected in the body of Christ, not the coffee table. They are connected somewhere. Somewhere they've allowed other believers, other followers of Jesus Christ to have the chance to rub up against, be included, and be part of their life. They're connected. You show me a weak, struggling Christian who seems to just constantly fall over their own feet, who forever is not getting where they need to get in their walk. Nine times out of ten, you ready? Unconnected. Unconnected. Now I know some of you in here are going, Lynn, 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 Lynn. You don't get it. I am the lone ranger of Christianity. I am the lone wolf. You know, don't fence me in. I don't need anybody else. Isn't, Isn't the truth you don't want anybody else? Isn't... Isn't the truth that you're afraid that if somebody got close enough, if somebody got near enough, they'd see some stuff? Isn't that the truth? And and the reality is this. If you really are a lone wolf Christian and you are so strong and you are so vital and you have figured all this stuff out and you've got maturity that surpasses all the rest of us, then come help us. Because we're all struggling, right? Come connect, come show, come be part. Don't keep that to yourself. Come share that. Christianity was never intended to be done solo. Ever been part of a team where, where someone had your back and you had theirs? Ever had a moment in which you said, you know what? We are so much better together I don't know about you, but I, I, I was never, I was never the star athlete. But I do think I was a star team player. I, I think I was a guy who came to the table and just said, look, I'm going to do my very, very best to hold my role and to help everybody else around me be better. You ever been a part of a team like that? Where you looked at each other and said, look, look, it's okay. I've got your back. You've got mine. And together, wow, we are amazing. And here's what you need to know. And Jesus said, That's the church. That's the church. At least that's what I hoped the church would be. Here's what we got to get. You you realize one of the things that being in community does, being together, allowing your life to rub up against all of our lives, is, is that being in community takes what I call heartbeat Christianity out of our lives. You've seen that, right? You've seen the believer who kind of gets going for Jesus for a while and, man, they look like it's all going the right direction. Then all of a sudden, something happens, some moment turns, some decision gets made, and wham, they crash and burn. And then they flop around there for a while and you wonder if they're ever going to get up and go again. And then pretty soon they get going. And then all of a sudden, they're passionate about God again and they're serving God with all their heart. And they go along and then all of a sudden, something hits them again or some decision trips them and wham, they crash. We've seen that, right? Do you realize that community, you and I tying our lives together, absolutely has the power to keep you and I from living that way? Embarrassing ourselves, embarrassing ourselves. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. It's in the very back of your Bible. 
If you're not familiar, just go to the back cover and then start working to the left. Book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Here's what it says. Let us hold unswervingly. Only time that word appears in the entire Bible. Matter of fact, Bible translators had to figure out how to translate that word. All they had to do was look at a 16-year-old getting their driver's permit, right? Okay. And maybe another way of thinking about this is a kid learning to ride their bike. Remember how ugly that moment is? You know, they're just they're doing this and overcorrecting and running into light poles. And he says, you guys realize you and I in our Christian life have all the potential to look like a kid riding their bike, trying to learn how to do this. And he says, no, 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 no. God's hoping so much more for you. And your life gets so much better when you and I can get out of the swerves. He says, learn this. Learn to be able to do this thing for Jesus unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And then he's going to tell you how. Here you go. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You see, look, look, you and I have got to get close enough, around each other enough, give permission enough to someone to say, look, 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 you have permission to say to me, point out to me what I need to hear. You've got permission when I'm kind of messing it up, not doing it, to spur me, spur me in the right direction. And he says, that, that's exactly what community and the church together is about, to spur me. You realize, if you have people like that in your life, there's a chance you might not even stumble in the first place. Here's the deal. You, you may have someone who you've allowed in who maybe they struggle in the same way you do. But here's the cool part. Maybe they're not being tempted in the same moment you're being tempted. See, you're a guy and you're going, man, I, I'm, I'm, man, I am dealing with lust big time. And, and you've allowed another guy who says, no, I, that's exactly where I struggle too. But he's not struggling that day. And suddenly you're saying, hey, today's my day. And, and, and your Christian brother is saying to you, come on, we'll do this together. We'll be all, come on, let's, let's go get a cup of coffee. You may be a gal. And, and you're sitting there going, you know what, I'm, I'm just dealing with bitterness in my life. And you call your girlfriend up because you've allowed her to be the person who's the person. You say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm hurting and I'm dealing. And she says... It's okay. Let's go shopping. Okay? And all of a sudden, you may not even fall in that moment because you allowed someone to be with you in that moment. How much different is that? But then, then, what happens, what happens if you actually fall? Matter of fact, grab your Bibles and go with me over to the book of Ecclesiastes. Middle of your Bible is going to be the book of Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes to the right. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Verse 10. If one falls down... His friend can help him up, but pity the man 
Pity the woman who falls and has no one to help him up. You get what he's saying? He's saying, look, look, not, not only having that friend there, not only having that person who you allowed in your life to be there may prevent the fall in the first place, may save you from the swerves. But, but if you do fall, how much more powerful to have a Christian brother, a Christian sister right there who has permission in your life because they've already done life with you to say to you, come on, come on. It's okay. Get up. We'll fix this together. We'll be all right. But pity, pity the person who falls by themselves. Community, allowing others to touch and rub up against my life and say the things that need to be, may be one of the best ways to cause you and I to grow in our Christian faith. Matter of fact, Scripture says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know what it's, you get what it's saying? It's saying, look, look, there's going to be moments that you're going to go through and you're, you're struggling to navigate in your life, struggling to figure out that I may have already done. And in that moment, rather than you spending two, three, four months trying to figure out how to do that, it may only be a couple minutes, a couple words to go, hey, no, 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 do that. There's going to be moments in my life where I am stumped in my walk with Jesus, where I'm going to go, I don't get it. My Christian life's been on hold for months. I can't get past this. And you'll be able to say to me, hey, 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 I've been... Do that. Because you will see things and know things I don't know, and I will see things and know things you haven't experienced yet. It's why we are better together. Some, some of you guys have heard about the famous Colorado backpack trip uh, that I took, and uh, about how we got there and altitude sick and all that stuff. We got about three days in on that trip, and we had a layover day, which just simply meant a day you don't do anything. So I'm there, thrilled to death, trying to recuperate. Someone comes walking up to my tent door and says, Hey, 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 um, you want to come? Now, get this. We're on a backpack trip. We are hiking. Today is a layover day. Guess what they wanted to do? Go hiking. And I'm going, you are sick in the head. No. And, and, and what the plan was is where we had done the layover, we were right at the base of one of the highest peaks right there on the Continental Divide. We were at about 12,000 something, the highest, about 14,600. And they were all going, hey, we're going to go conquer the mountain. I'm going, dude, go. Leave me alone. I then came to find out that there were like five girls going on the trip. Now, if you're a 20-year-old male and there's five girls going on the trip... <clears throat> So we start hiking up the mountain. <laughs> Did I mention that our guide was legally blind? So now we're heading up. And I, I, you know, we're, we're probably, I don't know, eight, nine hundred feet from the summit. And this thing becomes absolutely sheer, absolutely smooth. And our blind guide says, no problem, keep going. As we go up, we get to this moment where you go, oh my, there is, there is nowhere left to put your foot. 
There is nowhere left to put your hand. So we turned and looked below us. And you ever been mountain climbing and turned on something really steep to look down? You're going, oh my goodness. And so we did what any sane group of people would do in that moment. We began to weep together. (laughs) Here's how we got off that hill. We turned to the person who was lowest on the hill and said to them, look, look. We cannot even begin to see where to put our foot. Because we're talking about little cracks. We're talking about little nubs on the rock. Here's what we need you to do. You need to take the foot of the person above you and literally guide it down to any little nook, any little nub you see. And then grab their other foot and guide it down to any little nook. That's how we're getting off this mountain. So literally this line of about 12 people, each one's grabbing the foot above them and bringing it physically down to the nook because they can see what the person above them can't see. Church. Church. Because there's going to be moments in life where you can see what I can't see. And in that moment, you're going to save me because you're going to take the foot and you're going to guide it down. There's going to be moments in life that I will see what you cannot see. And I will rescue you. Because I will take the foot and I will guide it down. No wonder scripture says, and woe to the man who's alone. What are you going to do? What are we going to do when the bottom falls out of our lives? When the kids go crazy, when the marriage hits the rocks... When we're sitting in the hospital, what are we going to do if we don't have community with each other? And there's no one who knows our name and no one who knows who our kids are and no one who knows how to pray for us and no one who knows how to sit in the waiting room with us. See, here's the deal. You don't want the pastor to come. You don't. I've, I've got this friend and he pastors a really huge church in Washington, D.C. And he's telling me there, he goes, I, I, I don't even go to the hospital unless someone's dying. And he said, my people don't want me to come at all. You don't want the pastor to come. Because here's the deal. You know what's going to happen in a church this size if the pastor comes to visit you? The pastor's going to walk in and say, could you tell me your name again? Could I pray with you for a minute or two? I cannot tell you how powerful it is as a pastor to walk into a hospital room and have the person in the bed look at me and go, Lynn, why are you here? My small group... My small church, they were praying with me before we even came to the hospital. The truth is, a couple of them sat in the waiting room with my wife, with my husband, the whole time during the service. They've already been in the room and prayed with me and been with me again. Matter of fact, they're already providing meals for us when we go home. And some of them are driving the carpool to make sure my kids get to school. Guys, you don't, you don't want me. You want community. You want people who care about your life. And then think about this. What an amazing privilege for you to minister to others when they're hurting. Here's here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know how people are going to figure out that we're Christians? He says, you know the thing that's going to boggle their brains? Here's what Jesus said. By your love, one for another. He says, look, 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 it's not going to be because our doctrine's right. And guys, I'm a pastor. I think doctrine's a big deal. It's, it's not going to be because our buildings are bigger, because we've got a big screen. Or 
Jesus said, Here, here's the thing the world will never be able to comprehend and will make them madly jealous of us. The way we love on each other. And guys, you just need to hear me say, you can't do that from the coffee table. You say, well, well Lynn, what do you do? How, how do you move into community? How do you begin to do this? You're, you're going to have to take a step. You're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to join a group. And, and that's why... We, we've got what we call life groups, and that's just 10 or 12 adults sitting in a room, doing a little bit of Bible study, but more importantly, you ready? Doing life together. They know each other's kids. They know each other's names. They know what each other's dealing with and they're praying for. It's doing life. We've got what we call small churches. I mean, talk about simple. Small churches are like 30 adults in a room. It's the hour after this or the hour before this. You could get it all done on Sunday. You know, you just, you head over another hour. You go in there, you learn a little Bible, but more than that, you connect. We've got groups inside of our women's ministry. We've got groups inside of our men's ministry. Now, I know what you're, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. See, here's what you're thinking. You're going, Lynn, that's very sweet. Nice, nice advice. And, and here's the deal, and you just don't get, I am so busy. See, I've got a real life. You're just a pastor. And, and I've, I've got real things to do. And I am busy, busy, busy. And so here's, 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 Lynn, if I ever find a moment in my life where I am just bored and twiddling my thumbs for a couple weeks, you know, I'll think about community. I'll think about this. Isn't it true that the most defining moments of our lives are often when we say, I will set aside something that's good to do something that's vital. And if you and I keep going the way we're going, will you and I in a year be where Jesus wants us to be in a year? Isn't, isn't sometimes the most powerful thing that I do is to say, I've got to stop doing something that's really, really good to do something that's more important. So I'm just asking, what could be more important than this? Than you having my back and me having yours. That, that the church of Jesus Christ would say, not alone. Not alone. Together. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you, would you, would you? In just a little while, we're going to head out there. We're going to grab t-shirts. We're going to grab bumper stickers. Would you stop at a tent? Would you stop at a small group, small church, one of the women's, one of the men's, and just say, look, look, look. I'll, t- I'll give it a test drive. I'll, I'll take a test. I'll just do a couple weeks. And here's the deal. If you do it a couple weeks and it doesn't change your walk from word processing to the Internet, Quit. Quit. But what if it does? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, you never, never, never intended for us to do this thing alone. Matter of fact, we're not even wired that way, God. We, we're not even made that way. It's why you gave us the church. And God, if we sit in this room and are simply consumers, 
There's not enough in this room to keep us going. And God, I'm just going to ask, would you give us as your church the courage to say, you know what, I'm I'm going to set aside something that's good in my life to do something that is best, that will change my walk, that will put me in high gear for God, that will make me a better husband and a better wife and a better spouse and... I will do what is best. I'll let my life be in community in Christ. This we say in Jesus' name. Amen.